Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Chad Price. Chad is the founder and CEO of Life Grows Green, a lifestyle brand focused on promoting a greener planet through innovative products. With over a decade of experience as an entrepreneur, Chad excels in strategic planning, marketing, and quality assurance to drive growth and success within his business. For over a decade, Chad was the founder and managing partner of Kettle Kings, an online provider of a variety of different types of kettlebells, which he successfully sold last year. His expertise in startups has guided both companies into impressive success, gaining recognition from Inc. 5000 for four consecutive years, and features in publications such as Bloomberg News and Men's Fitness Magazine. He is also a published author of the book, Preparing for Battle, that was released this last fall. Today, Chad and I are going to be chatting about practical tips for turning startups into success through strategic planning and tools. We'll learn what works from Chad's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Chad, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Very nice to meet you. You as well. What I always like doing is asking how you got started on your journey. You know, we talked beforehand, you are Texas born, just like myself, and you are living in Austin now. But what got you on this path of deciding that you were going to be an entrepreneur and of all things, kettlebells? Well, I mean, I think I have, you know, a, a journey not too different than a lot of people in terms of trying to figure out what you want to do after college and uh, going into corporate America and getting your getting your feet wet, uh, kind of trying to figure out what corporate path is best for you and which one is, you know, the the quickest to success. Um, and I went on a similar journey myself after college. So growing up here in Texas, I've always kind of knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. But after after I graduated, uh, I didn't really know if I had the experience that I was that was necessary to kind of run my own, you know, multi-million dollar operation. So I figured I would work for some companies, kind of get a get a ground level of experience, work from some small businesses. And then if the time was right, I would have an option either to go into starting my own business or continue with my, you know, quote unquote, successful career in corporate America. For me, um, I got into oil and gas and was working in corporate America, which was what I consider a good example of a, a traditional corporate job. I had been there climbing the corporate ladder and, you know, I really felt like I had potential to go as far as I wanted to go inside of that company. But, you know, I knew at that time that if I didn't start my own brand, that was going to be something that I would regret. And uh, it it was it wasn't going to be as fulfilling going down the the corporate path, if you will. So in 2012, I basically reached out to all of my friends and network. And I was trying to put like a small team together of people who were interested in starting their own business. And from that, several different companies were born and Kettlebell Kings being the most, the most notable one. And so when you started off, did you ever think that this was your path, that you were going to be an entrepreneur, that this is what you wanted to do from the earliest days? I really didn't know. You know, I think because I played so many sports growing up, I just the analogy of kind of being on a successful team is what, you know, I always knew I wanted to be. So when I finished playing sports, I knew at one, you know, at one day I wasn't going to be able to play on a, a physical team sport anymore. I would be able to find an organization that I could apply that same level of passion and kind of uh, effort towards and something that I really had a passion for and something that I believed in. And 
going through my corporate career, I, you know, I had some kind of glimmers of that through the companies that I work for. You know, I think there were quite a few companies that I really appreciated um, the experience and the, the lessons that I learned there. Um, but I never really found anything that I would say, you know, I could dedicate my life to this. And that's what really made me kind of start my own businesses. I was like, I, I have to create something that gives me that, that kind of sense of fulfillment that, you know, I, I really needed to me to kind of reach my maximum potential. And, you know, obviously you found a way to take what you spent your entire youth and early 20s going into with fitness into a business that made sense to you and you were able to have passion about as well. Yeah. And I think the the thing I loved about the journey the most, and I talk about this some in the book is at the same time I started the fitness company, I started a nail salon with my girlfriend as well. And those were kind of two different paths. And I didn't know at the time anything about nails and I didn't know anything about actual kettlebells. I did have a background in fitness and I had, you know, I had a good uh, amount of discipline that I'd conditioned myself to be able to achieve difficult tasks, let's say by, you know, graduating from Rice and um, trying to apply myself intellectually as, as I'm growing up as, as much as I am from a, a athletic perspective. But creating those communities in those two different niches really kind of taught me more than I ever would have thought I would learn. Uh, and more than I ever learned pre prior to the, to being in, in my entrepreneurial career, just because I got to kind of build online communities for people that weren't for myself. So I kind of got to step out of what was, what was I looking for and really observe the community as a whole and try to see markets and see um, what types of content and what types of things people engage with before they purchase. So I can try to create a space that gives a, a user experience that is unique to each individual brand. And I think that's what I really specialize in is kind of creating those niche communities and rabbit fans, if you will, for whatever brand that you're trying to push. And then, so when you did this and, and you started it, how did you figure out how to first market? You know, you created a product, you figured out how to get it, you built a website, you created this whole e-commerce plan and machine. What was your first step and foray into marketing this beast that you were building? Well, I think, you know, just like everyone else, you try to just, you know, hope that you can just plug your product photo into some system and you, and you you know, pay for an advertisement and people purchase it. And we learned pretty quickly that that's not, you know, that's not going to sell kettlebells. Um, that's not going, even with the nail salon, I learned that wasn't going to get people to drive across town to come see you. You had to have something that was unique and engaging. And so depending on which, you know, what product that you're trying to push, I think you can do market research to really understand what those people are engaging and try to put yourself in the in the perspective of a shopper. So what am I doing prior to purchasing something from even one of your competitors, for example? I actually try to go on those journeys as much as possible. So I'm learning like, OK, well, I probably click this site and in that site and I have a list of all the potential sites that people would reference for um, you know, for reviews or people may reference for workout videos, whatever, whatever that may be. I'm trying to give myself some point of reference of the type of content that people are engaging with and absorbing already. And I start from that. So it's not some crazy idea that I created. I'm trying to improve on whatever content that I see is already currently being engaged. 
once you start that process, then it's just an A-B test over and over and over. And you get to take your shots here and there in the A-B testing. But you're starting with trying to improve the, let's say, the content journey for a, a potential potential buyer, whether they buy from you or, or from someone else. Were there any things that you tried that just did not work at all? That you're like, this is going to sell so much. And then it just fell flat on its face. Yeah, I mean, we thought at the time, you know, like just having good pictures of our kettlebells because our kettlebells are actually better. Like they, they were they were actually better than the other things. So we thought, yeah, we'll get good pictures and you have kettlebells and our pictures are equal to or greater than, you know, the competitors people will buy and people didn't care at all. Like no one, no one impulse buys a kettlebell. You know, it's one uh, I, I would equate it to like a sword or something where people really do spend more time. It's something that's potentially dangerous. Um, a lot of people don't have experience using it before. So instead of us going for a straight sales approach, we went more for a lead generation approach where, we might've started our campaign completely trying to make sales where we ended our ad budget is now, you know, 95% lead generation and the sales are made through the emails and the text messages and the other ways that we have now connected with you. That's where the sales move to after you've already experienced maybe months, if not, you know, even up to a year worth of content before you actually become a customer. And so content marketing really was the go-to strategy for you to be able to make it. For sure. And not only that, once we started connecting to the community, I think it's, it's really the the larger thing. So us having that that marketing or that kind of approach to it, you know, like one of the things we would say is we want to be the ESPN of the kettlebell world as well. So we want to be the central location that not just creates the content, but also collaborates with other people who are in that space making content, um, who also basically um we're the aggregator of the highlight reel of whatever niche that we're in. So if you want to find the best of the content available for kettlebells, you find it through our channels. And that's one of the things that we became quite good at in our niche where there, if you were trying to find the latest kettlebell lifter, the best kettlebell news or the best article about something happening in the kettlebell world, it was going to be through us. It wasn't going to be through another platform. And we looked at that at competitively. So if there are other people that are doing that, we need to excel. We need to beat them. And there's a, there's a, you know, I think there's a comfortability that comes with knowing that you don't have to figure it out as like before you start, you're just continuously seeing what the market is doing and going after and competing day after day after day. And it's just, a, it just becomes a process that's, that's easy to do. And so with that, what would you do or what are you doing now? Are you, are you following the same strategies uh, with this new business? So with the new business, it's, it's a lot harder because obviously, uh, you know, in this business, I sell, especially the the original product lineup that I released for this product lineup was uh, hemp and some CBD products and things like that. And those marketing and advertising um, channels are pretty much closed to you in, in this space. So it is a, is a much difficult, much more difficult journey, but more than just life grows green. I'm out, I'm still doing obviously more, more things with my time. I, um, I'm doing that through the promotion of the book. I'm also promoting, you know, chatprice.com and my personal brand, uh, my consulting agency uh, that, that I'm working right now. Um, so I'm, I'm using the same philosophies of building fans, regardless of where I do it. The, 
those strategies or the channels that I get to implement them on that may change. But ultimately, I'm trying to find people who all have the same end goal or have some type of service uh, goal that they could potentially buy. And then I'm trying to figure out what pieces of content can I generate for those people so that they consistently absorb that content and one day feel comfortable purchasing from me. Okay. And so with that, how would you encourage other entrepreneurs to start their own journey? Obviously, you've written a whole book about this. Yeah, I think, you know, self-reflection and kind of having uh, self-awareness is a good first step in starting your own journey, not being kind of uh, afraid to put yourself out there. So, you know, I talk about this in the book quite a bit, you know, finding mentors, really trying to map out mentally how far you're prepared to go to to win, to 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 kind of compete in this in this space. Um, I think there's a big difference in the intensity level when you switch from an employee role to an ownership role. And a lot of times people collapse in just the sheer weight of the responsibilities or the amount of problems that that hit you on a regular basis when you take over an ownership role. So I, w- I tell people it's not about the amount of you know information in the particular space that you need to uh, gorge yourself on. It's more about getting yourself mentally prepared for this battle to come. And so along the way, I bet you've made some mistakes. Thousands, yeah. One or two? Yeah. I, I, I personally, as an owner of an agency, I've never made a single one. I, in fact, I've just made <laughs> yeah. probably more than a thousand or two. Uh, so what are some of the things that if you could share that you would be sure not to do again, that you would want others to like stay away from doing too? I think, you know, when I say even in, you know, in in the book, I talk about kind of preparing for battle and in the mindset, I think you have to realize that you're always going to have fights. You're always going to have obstacles that there's, even when you figure it out, it's going to change in six months or, you know, there's no such thing as kind of this uh, cruise control, no problems, you know, no fires to put out. That, that, that really does not exist. And I think that's a dangerous place to even try to get your business to because you're not growing and act- actively kind of proactively going and trying to uh, make your company a better value for the customers. But at the, at the end of the day, taking on those obstacles is actually what galvanizes your team and makes you stronger. So I would look at those as opportunities. I look at customer service complaints as opportunities. I look at any feedback that I can really get that allows me to target my efforts a little bit better. To me, those are all opportunities. And for me, that comes pretty easy because of my sports and athletic background. Like, you know, I tell people all the time, like when you play football, you watch the bad plays you did the day before every day. Like you don't go and watch all your highlights. You literally go and watch. You should have, you should have went left when you went right. And you kind of come become numb to it. It's not like someone's criticizing you in a negative way. It's, it's literally you trying to perfect yourself and perfect this particular play or perfect this motion. And in business, I think you can implement these types of SOPs inside your culture where you enjoy that process. You know it's going to be there. You enjoy that process and you don't look at it as demoralizing and let you kind of bring down the energy of the brand. Okay. And so where can people find your new company? Several different places. Um, the best starting point is probably ch- chatprice.com because I, you know, I have everything connected from there. Um, but you can, I'm also obviously lifegrowsgreen.com. The book Preparing for Battle is on Amazon for sale right now. It's only 
two ninety nine for uh, ebook ebook version. So it's you know not a heavy lift uh, financially there. And then I'm on all social channels at Real Chad Price uh, or Chad Price. So you can find me pretty much everywhere. Okay. And so continuing our conversation about marketing and mistakes and all things along those lines, have you tried to? What has been successful as far as, you know, have you tried social influencers? Have you tried um, other digital campaigns? What along the lines has like been the one that you've seen the most successes with? Well, fortunately for me, you know, I came the timing of me graduating from college. You know, when I was in college, Facebook came out, uh, you know, so I remember like being one of the first people that I even knew at college to have a Facebook page. And I could understand at the time, like, hey, I'm going to use social media to create online communities for my businesses. And, you know, I can do this at any business and I could I could see how companies could take advantage of this even when it first came out. So we technically were doing, you know, fitness influencers before that term ever even existed, just because we were trying to reach out to people who were generating content that people wanted to absorb. And I think the it's become a little bit more commercialized at this point and i don't think it works as well as when you look at it like a commodity like i don't think any influencer that i sign up on a website can sell kettlebells but i think if you have a strategy and a plan that complements each other's business models and it's, it's more of a strategic alliance between their business and your business and you make collaborative content together I think that's more of how I would look at going after social media influencers and that's what we were able to do so we really created relationships with, you know, from the big, uh, you know, let's say a, a high level influencer with a million followers to someone with 500 followers and we'd grow 500 followers to 50,000 followers for them. And for someone like that, now you have a lifelong affiliate that's not, it's not based off of a financial exchange from a website. It's based off of um, alignment of our, of our resources and our actual businesses. So when we make more sales, they make more sales and we complement one another. And those are types of relationships that we would try to go after. And then um, what have you learned that didn't work so well with that? What doesn't work so well is just looking and trying to just judge based off of, you know, but judge, but judge, judge a book by its cover. You know, I would tell people all the time, like you see someone who has a million influencer who has a million followers online and you think they're going to sell something. And I can look at their entire digital presence and tell you whether or not they're actually doing business or not. And you should look for the ones that are doing business. People who are looking for attention are not looking for customers and they're not looking for clients that that you would actually benefit from joining your community so they may have a lot of eyeballs because of the things that they're promoting you may or we may or may disagree may or may not disagree on what types of things those are but i think it's important for you as a company to align yourself with people who have a business model in, in mind and we would even help people put a business model in mind if you're that type of person but it's important that that be the judge of how you exchange value between one another. If your exchange in value is just cash, you won't make the sales or the RI that you're trying to get back. It, it, it just doesn't work. There's not a, there's not enough, you know, $50 post or $500 post in the world to make the, the RI you want. If it's not deeper than just that uh, exchange of cash up front. 
Well, you're talking about building a mutually beneficial partnership with the influencer where you actually stepped in and you helped them build a business model where they could make more money and where we have a lot of influencers who are under the perception, the delusion, the belief, the ideation that if they just post for a brand and it's a piece of content that it will be enough. And for some brands it yeah. is, especially yeah. your larger companies out there. They're looking for that content creation because there's a value to influencers and the fact that they're the director, the producer, the actor, the writer, the editor, they're the, all those things in one for you of creating this lovely piece of content. But if you're a brand who's actually looking for sales to happen from that lovely piece of content, then 99.9% yeah. .9 of influencers are not actually going to be the best ones to work with in that way. And there's yeah. other ways that you can go about it. You can add in, um, you can whitelist and you can put dollars behind their posts. So now it's actually targeted to a very specific audience that you're trying to dial into and you're using it more like they're a magazine and you're buying an ad in it and you're just running with their creative. But yeah, a lot of people I think have not clued in as well as you have that all influencers are not equal. Well, I think once you, and that's the the benefit of just starting the journey, I think it calibrates your perception of reality. You know, you can, you help other people. So I would have to tell influencers all the time, like, I don't think you know how many kettlebells are bought per month and how much, like, let's say you sold a thousand kettlebells. This is how much money I can give you total if I gave you all of it. And that's not, that's not going to change your life. But if we set up a structure that complements another business that you already have and we're driving traffic to complement both of our businesses, that's something that can change things. We can take someone who is a you know a fitness trainer with 500 followers to 50,000 and their followers are growing quality leads like we're growing quality leads. We use the same strategies because we are working with other influencers already who are doing this successfully. We have the perfect network, business models, types of content to create. We can we can work together to create these types of things. We're looking for those alliances. We're not looking for like, you know, the the latest TikToker who just did some cool dance and now they're, you know, they're charging a thousand dollars a post or whatever that may be like that. To us, that's not very important. That's not something who that's not someone who we say is a genuine part of the community. And that's what's the credibility of having someone genuinely want to bring value to the community, I think goes a long way in, in people's sincerity and joining. And then what are any last words of parting advice you have to our listeners today? Well, I mean, if it's in regard to, to starting your own business, you know, I, I tell everybody I wouldn't, I think it's one of those things that anybody can do. Um, you know, I don't think you have to be a, a genius to start your own business, but I do think you have to have self-awareness and have a, uh, you know, a, a different level of grit, more grit, more perseverance than the average person. I think that's more important. And one of the kind of the key characteristics to survive uh, an entrepreneurship is that kind of never give up attitude. I'm willing to learn every day and try to um actually be an expert in the field that I want to be whatever multi-million dollar success in. And I think a lot of times people don't want to do that. They just want the the lifestyle of what they think an entrepreneur is. And uh, I try to prevent those people from going down that detrimental path and at least having a, the proper assessment of what they're getting themselves into, I think is the most important. Well, I will say, I really enjoyed having you on today. Thank you for joining us. And thank you. And 
Congratulations on your success as well. Thank you for having me. It was a nice meeting. I always like having another Texan on the show. To all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, if you have any questions on how you can get your brand interwoven into movies and TV shows or music videos or with influencers and celebrities, reach out. Happy to connect with you. Holly Branded is my agency, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Take care.